0: Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza and listen, we're getting more and more questions about what is this thing, the Rockstar Inner Circle membership that you guys run, how does it work, who's involved with it. So I thought we'd break it all down right here so you can hear all about it. If you're not a Rockstar Inner Circle member, that's a membership that we've been running for over a decade. It started because Nick and I couldn't find anyone who would help real estate investors and literally hold their hand in the Greater Toronto Golden Horseshoe area and guide them through buying properties. So we thought if we We can't find anyone. Maybe there's other people who also can't find people to help them out. Maybe we should be those people. That's how this became a real thing. It started in 2006 was our very first Rockstar Inner Circle member. Our first full year was 2007. So we've been running it for about 13 years right now. And the way it works is when you become a Rockstar Inner Circle member, the first thing you get is access to part of the Rockstar team here. So you're assigned one of the coaches here on the team. Everybody at Rockstar is a real estate investor themselves have tons of real estate investing experience. So it's investors helping other investors. And then one of the first things we do when you become a Rockstar Inner Circle member is we sit down and have an initial goal setting consultation with you. What are your goals? Are you investing for cash flow? Are you investing for equity and appreciation? Are you investing in the core of the city, in the outskirts of the city? What type of properties do you like? Do you like student rentals, duplexes, single family homes? What's your thing? Multi unit investing? What do you want to do? So we sit down and. And have that discussion. What are your short-term goals? What are your long-term goals? What's your real primary objective and what you're trying to achieve with your real estate investing? And then we have all sorts of training classes as part of the membership. We have a fast start class that kind of gets you going. We have Canadian mortgage financing classes where we bring in some of the best mortgage brokers in the entire country to teach a class to Rockstar Inner Circle members. We have real estate tax planning classes by our accountants. We have our paralegals come in and talk about landlord rights and how to protect yourself as a landlord. We have apartment building and multi-unit investing classes. We have student rental classes, joint venture classes. We have e-commerce classes, even if you want to start an e-commerce business. We have have a legal second suites class, a pre-construction Toronto condos class, a property management class. We have an invest like a developer class. So as Rockstar members, as the membership has grown, so have our classes. So there are tons of classes always going on, available to Rockstar Inner Circle members, and then all the legal forms and agreements that we use. So for example, during this COVID era, we had some agreements on how to set up partial payments on leases with some of your tenants and how to do it properly. So we share those things on a member-only website for all members to get immediate access to. And then some of our step-by-step real estate systems, our marketing systems, the strategies we're using, some of the investment strategies, how they work from start to finish in the real world. That's on the Rockstar Inner Circle member site. We have a 12-page monthly newsletter. This is my favorite thing and it's old school. Like old school, like it lands in your mailbox old school. Yes, for those of you who don't even know where your mailbox is, you have to find it because that's where the newsletter is going to be. And that 12-page newsletter inside, it has stories of all different Rockstar Inner Circle members who are investors and where they're buying properties around the golden horseshoe, how much cash flow they're earning. Every month, we have a member of the month where they highlight their journey, including pictures of their properties, how they invested, what they were scared of, what went wrong, how they corrected it. So every month, we're learning from each other. And then we have articles in there about interest rates and about other things like gold and silver and Bitcoin and inflation and deflation and how it affects the real estate market then we have monthly audios, which are kind of like podcasts, but they're exclusively for Rockstar Inner Circle members. So, for example, again, when the whole COVID thing was breaking out, we had exclusive content for Rockstar Inner Circle members with some of our uh, lawyers and our accountants and our paralegals on, you know, how to protect themselves, how to, how to protect yourself as an investor, or what to expect, how the mortgage deferral process is going to work in Canada and the whole bit. That's a monthly audio for Rockstar Inner Circle members. I mentioned that the, there is a member-only website where we have a bunch, a bunch of things, including... The Rolodex of all the professionals we use in the GTA and Golden Horseshoe ourselves. So that's our own personal list of people that we use. We give everybody access to that. We do bigger events, which obviously may never be allowed again in the country of Canada, but we we used to have them. They had seven hundred people at them. We did them three times a year. We bring in guest speakers. We do uh, a rock star economic update. So we do presentations on that. Bring everyone together a few times a year. I'm really looking forward to bringing that back. Hopefully, we can soon. There's a weekly Best Buy hot list. There's open access to everybody here on the rockstar team we're doing this all on a full-time basis and there's more stuff but that's how the rockstar inner circle membership works if you want to sign up as a rockstar inner circle member you can we have members from all over the place mostly in the gta and golden horseshoe but we have members out of province even so if you want to sign up and work with us you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member member and join up. You will get a call from a coach on our team to introduce themselves and set up that first consultation meeting together and we'll take it from there. And that's how that works. Let's transition over to today's podcast. Today's podcast is with Steve Jagger. Steve was introduced to me by Jeff Booth, who we had on recently. We were talking about deflation and technology and what's going to happen in the world. And afterwards we got talking and he mentioned that I should definitely get to know Steve Jager. Steve is an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, as you'll hear on this podcast. And we go through his journey. And the reason I didn't want to just jump into the business that he's in now, which caught my attention and our attention, is that his journey is really interesting. It's the story of an entrepreneur. And you wait until you hear his journey. I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. But the second part of the podcast, we talk about Addy Invest, which is the platform he's building out with his co-founder on how to invest in real estate. And you can even invest with $1 at a time. Basically, they're putting some properties on their platform and opening it up to everyone. I'll let him explain the details. But Addy Invest is pretty cool, pretty exciting. We'll see where it goes with it. Definitely want to stay in touch with Steve. Um, And with that, let's get on with the show.
1: Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and
0: Nick Carrazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Steve Jagger. And am I saying your last name right, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Every time I say Jagger, I want to say Mick Jagger. I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know what it is. I'm sure you get that sometimes. Well, yeah, and my
1: brother's name is Mike, so he, he gets it probably oh, more.
0: Got it. Okay. So, Steve, thanks for doing it. You said you have your, in a, in a little bit, you have your own interview to do. So, we just need to make sure whatever you're doing next, this is better. So, <laughs> this discussion has to be better than whatever you're doing next. That's our deal here. Okay? Fair so, you have, to, you have to share stuff you've never shared about yourself before. But uh, I, I want everyone to hear what you're doing with Addy Invest. But if you could just give us, like, the 30-second explanation, because I want to come back to it while we get through all these other stuff you've done in your life. So I want to end with Addy invest, but can you just talk about what Addy invest is first? And then I'm going to kind of pepper you with some other questions.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, Addy is basically a a crowdfunding platform that enables everyone to invest in real estate. It's probably the easiest way to explain it, but it's a micro investing. So you can invest as, as little as a dollar into a specific property and own a piece of that specific property.
0: And, and there's, I haven't really seen, there's not many people doing this, right? This is new.
1: Uh, yeah, we think we did the first property in Canada in this, in this fashion. We can't find, um, we don't, I don't know of another that, that's done it in the way that we're doing it. But um, yeah, the idea is if, if you've, we're trying to eliminate barriers to entry to the real estate market or the real estate asset class.
0: Yeah, we and, were just uh, jo- I was just joking with you. We run a brokerage, as you know, called Rockstar Real Estate. And I was just telling Steve, this is great. You're eliminating the needs for brokerages because people can invest. And someone would ask, well, why are you guys having Steve on? If that's the case, you guys own Rockstar Real Estate. But we we believe in progress. And for all of us to know, you know, what's coming next. So I think this is important stuff for all of us to be aware of. But before we dive in deeper to that, I got to know how you got here. Like, how does somebody get to the point of Addy Invest? Because we have, you know, we tell everyone, listen, you live, you live one life, you might as well live it on your own terms. And when I read your bio, I feel like you're living life on your own terms. Because this bio is like, you've done a bunch of stuff. Like, so how does somebody go from, you graduate university, I guess. No, no high
1: school, no university. I,
0: oh my God, that's even better. No, no <laughs> I, went uni- to,
1: I went to a, a, a college for a few days and realized it wasn't for me. Um, and I did do a, a 90 day stint at BCIT for an entrepreneurship class, but that's as, that's as far as I go.
0: Wait a second though, on your bio here at the very end, didn't I read your like president or co-president of some university thing? No,
1: Vancouver College, that's my high school.
0: This okay, got it. College. I was like, oh, this is, that would have been awesome if you didn't go to university and you were like running something at the university. Okay, oh. cool. And, and uh, that's interesting to me. Why? So what was it? You just got into, you, you just realized you're not going to be stuck in a box? Like you couldn't learn in that way?
1: School, yeah, the way they teach in school, it wasn't um, suited to me, I guess is the best way to explain it. I just, I don't, I didn't learn the way they taught and it took me some time to figure out how I like to learn and, you know, and, and sitting in a classroom and having someone sort of preach at the front um, wasn't the best learning environment for me and how my brain works, I guess. And um, so school was not my, you know, my most favorite thing to do. Um, and so I was always interested in figuring out, you know, business and how to make money. Um, and if, if that was the topic, I was very interested in it, but Sort of the general, you know, idea of going to university to take a four-year degree in something was, was not really what I was destined for.
0: Your, your parents must have freaked out.
1: Um, they were like, I don't know. I, I my old, my older brother was similar. He, he, I've got three brothers. So it was my older brother than me, even two younger below me. Uh, my older brother kind of paved the way a little bit. He did a bit of school, um, a few years he did a lot longer than i did a few years of, of university and then dropped out and, and basically started a business um so it wasn't uh it wasn't f- totally foreign to my parents but
0: Damn, good for you yeah. that takes guts man and isn't it interesting like when you find something that you like or are interested in, you will sit down and do the work or learn everything you need to know about it. But yep. when you're not interested in something, you just could care, you will do nothing. I mean, that's how I am, I'm, I'm sure that's how I observe most people. Yeah,
1: it's um, the same. Like I would I would do anything, that, than anything else rather than go to school and, you know listen to some person talk about some random thing that's not interesting to me. I just, I, it would, it would be very painful. Yeah.
0: You know, so we're way off topic here, but I got to share a university story. I got accepted into engineering at U of T didn't want to go downtown. So I went to the, their Mississauga campus, which is a suburb. I'm sure you've heard of Mississauga yep. on the, on the West side of Toronto there. And I get there and I assume they had engineering, but when I get there, they were like, you know, there's no engineering on this campus. You're going to have to take something different. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll take psychology. No, sorry. Sorry. I first went into chemistry and then I got, I did really well in the first exam and they bumped me up to like a higher level of chemistry. And I walked into this room and it was like a subset of the bigger class and everybody was just like geeking out on chemistry and I have no problem with geeking. I consider myself a geek, but I hated chemistry so much. So even though I was good at it, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta change. So then I went into psych. So then I ended up with a double major in psychology and sociology (laughs) And at the end, I realized I had no marketable skills whatsoever. And I did like a nine month postgrad in IT skills. And it was this school that opened up on Bay Street downtown. And it was teaching Oracle, Visual Basic at the time. I'm probably dating myself here, but Visual Basic, Oracle, like HTML and a bunch of tech stuff. And that got me a job and kind of set me on my path. And I was fascinated by the tech world and the IT world. So I, you know, I spent all my time learning about it and getting good at it. Um, whereas like chemistry was just like, not, you know, did not float my boat But uh, okay. So you high school, how do you get to combine your, one of your businesses was called combustion hosting, right?
1: Yes. First, how one. do you get, okay. How do you well, go from sorry, it's not the first one, but the first sort of real one.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it wasn't the first one, but how do you go from high school to combustion hosting? How does that
1: happen? I, yeah. So I, um, Basically, so I finished up high school. I dabbled a little bit in university um, for literally a minute, and um, I I had the idea I wanted to. It's kind of a long story, but I'll shorten it for you. I, I wanted to. Um, I, I saw an opportunity of doing advertising on the inside of taxi cabs, you know, like the ceiling of a cab. And um, I thought that there was there was a business model there that could potentially work for me, and so I. Started exploring um, how that would work, and I ended up setting up a business and chasing that, that world down. And as part of doing that um, and getting that company, it was called iLevel Media, getting that company started, um, I needed a website. And I went to a friend of mine that we went to high school together, a guy named Mike Stevenson. And I said, Mike's a tech, tech guy and, and more sort of tech inclined especially at that time. And I said, Hey, I've got this idea and this business. I'm setting up, I need a website. Can you help me with the website? And Mike said, um, sure I can do that, but you need to figure out like just figure out which web hosting company you want to use and then sign up for that. And I was like, well, what is, what is a web hosting company? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so he, he literally drew, I remember he came to my, my, my house or my bedroom in my parents' house and he like drew on a, on a whiteboard. Um, how basically how the internet works so like there's a cloud over here and your website is here and like just sort of really dumbed it down and explained how, how it worked and what the web host's role was and I was like okay great I'll find one and I said how do I pick a good web host and he said well you probably want to be able to phone them and I was like what do you mean I can't phone them and he's like well some of them don't have phone numbers you it's email only and I was like oh wow okay and he's like well you probably want to pay in Canadian dollars you probably want to pay month to month you probably don't oh, want so to is, is
0: this the 90s
1: yeah. Like 99. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so he explains all this stuff to me. So I was like, okay, so I, I, I started figuring out, I made a list of potential web hosting companies and I found, you know, most of them didn't have check all of the boxes. Like the guys that were cheap, you couldn't phone them. And the guys that had a big setup fee, you could phone, but you paid American dollars or like just whatever. It just didn't work. And so then I finally come back to him. I was like, I don't get it. Like, there's no, there's no web host. That's for me. Like a, a an entrepreneur, it doesn't know a lot about this website world. Um, Like why, why don't we we, like, why can't, we should get into the web hosting business basically. Um, And long story short, I, Mike and I kind of agreed that, yeah, like maybe there's an opportunity to help that Baker have a website and the lawyer have a website and whoever, all these people that are really good at whatever they do, but they, the web, the website world was very confusing and very hard. And so we set up a company called, um, combustion labs media. And it was meant for me, it was meant to be a side project for what I was doing with this advertising taxi.
0: Yeah, Cause you were going to put ads on the ceilings of taxis.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> combustion, combustion was going to be, um, the sort of, it's just like a, a side project and my eye level media company would be, um, I don't know, first customer, I guess. Anyways, Mike and I set that company up and, um, figured out, you know, set it all up, bought some servers, put them in a, a co-location facility in the U S and then I literally went and started phoning businesses to get their web hosting business. Um, and we would, yeah, we would move small business owners on the promise of everything I said, you can phone us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We speak normal English, so we're not going to like like tech talk you or you don't understand what's happening. Um, and, you know, provide a, provide a service that at that time I, I, I felt, or we, we both felt that was not readily available to your sort of average entrepreneur. Um, yeah. And so that, that's how we got into, into the, the,
0: the web. Did you, world. did you, uh, did, how did that one, Does it still exist today? Combustion hosting? Nope. No, we, okay, sold, so it- uh,
1: we sold the business. Gosh, a few years later, we, we sold off the business to a competitor and cool. we, we, we kind of, cause kind of, we, we pivoted, Um, we learned, we learned a lot about web hosting and we had tons and tons and tons of web hosting clients and we had a bunch of realtor clients, lots and lots of realtor clients. And what we, um, we learned sort of twofold was one realtors never called us in the middle of the night, never be like, ah, there's a problem with my website. We were offering 24 seven support. I was literally living at home in my, in my bedroom of my parents' house offering a 24 seven phone support service that Mike and I would figure out between the phones. If I was going to bed, I would, I could patch the phone over to him and vice versa. If he was not available, he could patch the phones to me. And so we were, we were doing this (laughs) 24 seven thing, but we had a lot of realtors and the realtors wouldn't, they just, we found they, they just wouldn't call us for stuff. They would like, they were nine to five. They weren't calling us at one in the morning, trying to figure out how their email worked. They were just a better customer base than a lot of our other random customers from other industries. And, um, one of our early realtor customers asked us to build, at that time, when a realtor got a new listing, the realtor would fax their listing sheet to their web designer, and the web designer would then take that data and type it into their website and add the listing to the website. Um, <laughs> sounds crazy, actually. It sounds crazy now. <laughs> now,
0: it sounds crazy. But no, that's what was happening, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And so when that then that was happening, we, um one of our realtors, our realtor customers, um, Reed, Reed Deucin and Edgar Muskus. They were Dexter Realtors here in Vancouver. And they said, hey, can you guys just build like a thing, you know, that we can just type this in instead of- or We sending can you? enter
0: in the information yeah. ourselves without in, faxing you. Instead of
1: sending you this data. And we we're like, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting idea. So we built a little, uh, we called it a, the listing engine at the time. And so we built a listing engine that enabled realtors to be able to update their website themselves. Whenever they had a new listing, they could just punch it in and it would show up on the website. And so we started charging, I don't know, I think at that time we were charging 20 bucks a month for hosting, we charged 25 bucks a month if you wanted the listing engine. And that took us into deeper and deeper and deeper into the real estate space and realtors specifically um, to the point where 24 seven customer service really sucked. It wasn't it was an enjoyable part of my life for sure. No. <laughs> and we realized there was, we were making more money because of the software that we added to the web hosting solution than we were with just web hosting. Um, and so we we basically sold, we decided w- like let's get out of the web hosting and let's stick with the realtors. And so we sold the web hosting customer base off to a competitor and we kept um, the listing engine portion of our business and we named it UberTor. Um, and then we, and that's, that, that's how basically UberTor became a, a business was, that sort of, that was the genesis of it of, uh, you know, helping a realtor manage and set up and add a listing to their website. But we, um, we, we, we added the, we, we wanted to change the name, one of the challenges we had. So we got rid of those hosting customers. We're selling realtors on this listing engine, but we would sell it saying, hey, there's a web hosting package. that comes with 50 megabytes of space and, you know, two gigabytes of traffic or whatever. And realtors are like, I don't understand what the hell you're talking yeah.
0: about? <laughs> Listen, I just yeah. need to get this. I promised somebody that this is going to be on the internet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> don't and talk to me about two megabytes.
1: Yeah. And we were trying to, we were still in the web hosting sales talk. And then we realized, God, realtors don't understand what's going on and they don't care. And don't care. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we changed the whole business model. We named it Ubitor, and we started selling it based on the number of listings that you had. And so, the, oh, you want zero to 10 listings, that's this plan. If you want 11 to 20 listings, yeah, that's for this plan. Yeah, awesome. And then because they get it, they understand yeah, listings yeah, to yeah. them mean a specific dollar amount. And so the, and that was an easy way for us. Oh, to the sales pitch to on sites.
0: that's so good. Yeah yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And so that's what, so then we, we built a whole new website for Ubitor. We cut out all the web hosting, talk about it because they didn't care. They just like, yeah, of course the website needs to live somewhere. <laughs> I, don't, I
0: don't care yeah, where. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. um and they they were you know more interested in the you were selling
0: the benefit instead of selling the features it was uh right. yeah you went right to the benefit okay so then that's uber tour so now we're two businesses deep but then i was reading about you and then at some point you're somehow in the philippines so how do you yeah. go to the philippines but not only are they like you're living there yes um so what I, I i promise we're getting to addy invest i promise but i need to know this <laughs>
1: Each business led to
0: the next. It's very, um, you're a classic entrepreneur to me. I've already figured you out. You see a problem, (laughs) you're going to fix the freaking problem and that's where you get to addy invest. So I'm interested to see how we evolve there, but the Philippines first.
1: Yeah. So, well, so Mike and I, uh, so we had, yeah, we had combustion hosting, then we had Uber tour. Um, we started Uber tour in 2003. We sort of officially and, named. And Mike, combustion. Mike was just
0: a buddy that started. Like he's
1: yeah, we went to high school together. He's two okay. years older than me. He lived down the street. So his did you force place, him not friend, to go
0: to university as well?
1: No, he did a bit of a, <laughs> a different path. He, he did some time at Emily Carr. He's okay. uh, he was more on the tech side for sure. But um, yeah, Mike and I have been like officially twenty years. We've been business partners. We're still business partners today. Um, cool. Yeah, so we we had a very unique path, but. Um, Yeah, so combustion hosting led to ubitor, And then ubitor we sort of officially was a sort of a business, us chasing realtors, not just web hosting. Started that in 2003 or made that pivot in 2003. And um, we, in about 2008, uh, we wanted to outsource, maybe it was 2007, we wanted to outsource customer service and some of the billing tasks. We wanted to find labor that could help us um, that was... I don't know, more cost efficient. And so we started dabbling with people that we put ads on Craigslist. And we started dabbling with workers that we found from the, or that found us from the Dominican Republic. And so we hired workers from the Dominican to help us do some like data entry tasks, customer service, live, manage live chat, that kind of stuff. And so we got accustomed to working with people we'd never met and that we met over the internet. And we were able to figure out how to like train them up um, to, to, to work in our business. And so the experience if it worked well enough that we were interested in doing more and so 2008 happens the financial crisis we decide that we would like to i don't know dive deeper into outsourcing as a way of keeping costs down while trying to figure out how to grow the business through the financial crisis and so mike and i thought like well the philippines is a big outsourcing country it was philippines and india are kind of the two big ones but mike's half filipino and um, doesn't speak to gala like, doesn't like born here like doesn't oh really that's, yeah, that's, I was gonna say, oh, that's his, great okay. Yeah, that's as far as his helpful
0: he's part he's ba- basically canadian yeah,
1: yeah but he had yeah. well he is yeah but he had fa- some family there some extended family there so we were looking at like philippines or india it was very quick of like well we have no direct connection into india we, we did not know where to start at the very least we could find somebody mike's family over there to feed us dinner and explain, <laughs> explain yeah, yeah. how life works And so Mike and I flew over to the Philippines with the plan of hiring an outsourcing company to provide us with 10 or 15 team members to um, work with us. And so we flew over there. And again, another sort of long story short, we decided instead of us getting into the, um, hiring 10 or 15 people from an outsourcing company, we thought as the geniuses that we are like, well, maybe we should just set up a Philippine corporation and get into the outsourcing business ourselves and Ubitur is the first (laughs) customer. And, um, and uh, yeah, at the time we're like, that seems like, a that seems very good smart.
0: idea. I see how you sell yourself on everything. my other business could be the first customer of my next business. Yeah. We already have a customer. We have a customer, yeah. customer baked in here.
1: Yeah. So we, yeah. we set up, a, we did it. We set up a Philippine corporation. Um, and Tour was the first customer of that Philippine corporation. And we, we set up, you know, an office and, and hired some, some staff and they, worked at the beginning, they worked directly for, um, Uber
0: um, okay, So I got to ask you this question right at this point, someone's yeah. going to be listening to this and wonder, cause I get this sometimes. What were you doing? And without getting into the specifics of your financial situation at that time in your life, what were you doing around money? Like you could afford to just fly over to the Philippines and you had some savings. Can you, like most people were going to tell me, Tom, I could never do that because like I, I would just chew through any savings I had. And then that's it. And it's too much of a risk. What was going through your, high, uh, your mind financially when you're over at the, in the Philippines trying to start up this other business?
1: Well, I think it's, well, that's a good question. Um, Ubertor at that time would have been a profitable business. And um, we, we saw a path to make this work. Instead of us paying to hire 10 or 15 people from an outsourcing company, you're basically paying 100-ish percent on top of their, more than 100-ish percent on top of their wage for the office and the desk and their hiring ability and whatever you're, you're paying, you know, if you're paying two or $3,000 a month for a worker, the worker's actually getting seven or 800 bucks. Um, and so we thought maybe we could kind of hack this a bit and get into the business of it, um, while keeping our costs more in line for Ubitor. Um, and so that, that, that was the original thought, like, don't get me wrong. It was, the original idea was we'd be over there for 90 days and come back and we would set it up so that we could virtually run the business from canada and put a team in place and cameras and the in- internet infrastructure to be able to run the business from here that 90 days for me ended i came back after um the 90 days and mike's 90 days turned into like two and a half years <laughs> yeah, gotcha. and so um, yeah, he was there for quite some time. We built out a whole office there. We scaled up from originally we, we had workers in a house that we had rented, a residential house, which we had a lot of learnings around that. It doesn't work exactly the same as trying to run a home-based business in Canada. Running it in the Philippines is very different. Um, but we scaled up to a proper office that we had about 150 staff working. And the vast majority of those, um, those team members at that, of that office and that company, it, it's called, it was called Outsourcing Things Done, a huge chunk of them were virtual assistants for real estate agents and real estate brokerages because we had Ubertor and UberTor had a, a large real estate customer base. And real and so, estate
0: agents are always looking for help. Yes. So it was just a, yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah, And so we would help at that time, we would help realtors run their back office, but the, you know, there's lots of learnings around that for us As most realtors have no systems and procedures in place. Not like nothing really documented in any way. It's like I get a new listing and then I do 50 things, but those 50 things are in my head and I just do them. I like, oh, I got to call the sign person, then I got to do this and I got to do that. And then I, you know, and they just do whatever they do. Trying to train somebody in the Philippines um, to, to help with certain tasks that can be helped for, you know, help in a digital way was hard because they didn't have any instructions on what to do. And so we did a lot of help with realtors of helping them properly build SOPs to, like systems and procedures to, to 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 run those types of tasks and document how their business actually works.
0: I could totally see that problem because when I got into real estate, I'm just naturally more a non-detail oriented type person. The first brokerage I joined, because Nick and I were, were in tech and then we came into real estate and they said, well, do you have all the paperwork? If you want to get like the commission on this deal that you did for your buddy who bought this like rental property or whatever, we well, need all the paperwork. I'm like, oh, like, all that crumpled paper I have in the backseat of my car. Like I have to like give that to you. (laughs) I'm like, can't you just trust me? Like it's a legit deal. Like, can you just, I'm like, no, you like, you have to bring it all in. I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, this is such a pain. And of course it makes sense to bring in the deal to the office, but, to a salesperson, sometimes that's like rocket science. Yeah. And so for me to hire a virtual assistant at that time and try to tell them or teach them a process that I didn't even know myself, I could see the jam that you would, you guys would be in complete disaster. Yeah. But, uh, so, so in the Philippines and then the Philippines turns into there's payroll hero, which sounds like you saw another opportunity and started this payroll company. And then yeah. there's the, the, then it goes to messaging real estate corp. So can you just walk me through those two jumps really quick?
1: So we had, um, so we're running Ubitur. I'm in Vancouver selling, um, the real estate platform to residential commercial realtors, Canada, U S right. I'm doing that also selling some outsourcing from our outsourcing company. Mike's over in Manila. We've got 150 staff and we're running Philippine payroll for our Philippine team on Excel documents. And, um, Most people over there at that time, that's what they did. This is like 20, I don't know, 2012 or something. And um, Philippine payroll is quite complicated. There's a lot of, like I could do it, me and you could have the exact same business and I could do it one way and you could do it another way. And we're both technically correct. Um, oh, it's wow. not like Canada, where it's just like the rules are hard and fast, and if you don't follow the rules, you go to jail.
0: Yes, basically, right? like, send us your um, payroll taxes right yeah, and, now. Or and we're there's no to get
1: misinterpretation <laughs> of how it works. And in the Philippines, there's there's definitely just you can interpret it in in a handful of different ways and still totally be correct. Where your competing business is the exact same company as you, does it a little bit different, and that's still totally okay. And so. We asked a few sort of business friends of ours over there of like, how do they run payroll? And they said, oh, I've got an Excel document. They'd send us their spreadsheet so we could use it. And um, that's what we did for a little bit, but we found, you know, when you're selling outsourced labor, it's very to the minute, right? If a worker's five minutes late, the customer doesn't want to pay you for the five minutes. So you've got to dock the five minutes from the the, the teammate. And so it, it gets very messy in an Excel doc. And so what we decided was, um, actually it was uh, like a hundred percent. Mike was saying, Hey, Mike said like, Hey, I think what we should do is I, I should, we should take a couple of our engineers from Ubitor and have them build a, a basic payroll system for the Philippine operations. So let me, let me guess who
0: your first customer would be ourselves. Let me- <laughs> <laughs> Got, it. Got it. Yeah. sounds, sounds good. So, yeah, sounds so good. We,
1: we built a payroll tool. Um, that would, you know, help manage. So it was quite big, actually. It's time attendance scheduling and payroll. It did facial recognition, clock in, clock out, so the employees oh, wow. would show up. They would go to an iPad on the wall on the way in the office. They would snap a photo. We get the GPS and the facial location, so we know the right person is in the right time in the right place at the right time. And then that would go pump into the system, and it would tie to their wage, and we could um, we could pay them accurately for time worked. Um, And so we, Mike and I are in this group called the Entrepreneurs Organization. And we showed it to a few EO people in the Philippines. There was, you know, sometimes they do like office tours where a bunch of entrepreneurs will come over to like. Yeah, yeah.
0: Nick, Nick. uh, So Nick runs this business and he's part of that.
1: Okay, great. So you know how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So like they do these kind of lunch and learn things. You go to like some guy might own like a chicken factory. And so we all go and learn about like how a chicken factory works. (laughs) And they kind of give you the ins and outs of like the business and, the troubles that they have and what they're good at or whatever and you learn about a totally different industry. And so that kind of a thing happened. A few EO Philippine members came over to our office in Manila and we showed them this tool that we had built to automate payroll. And a, a, a bunch of them were like, oh my God, like I need this. Can I have it? And we said at the beginning it was like, no, it's like an internal tool that we built for ourselves. It's not like a product that we could like give to people or sell to people. And again, long story short, we decided, hmm, maybe there's an opportunity here. And so we carved out that product. We named it Payroll Hero. We incorporated it as a business, actually in Singapore. And... Um, of
0: course, because, you, yeah, like, you Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: because we learned a lot about incorporating in the Philippines. It was a bit of a painful process and we weren't... Um, it, it, was, it, was a, it was... There was a lot of confusing stuff that goes on. It's not that it's you know just for us at that at that time it was it was a lot and we thought like maybe it, it wasn't best to incorporate a software or tech company in the in the Philippines we could um put it in a, in a in a different jurisdiction it's actually now a british columbia company but um the so that's how payroll hero started we named it we built a website for cool. it and we started selling it to a whole bunch of eo people wanted to use it and that's kind of where payroll hero um was, was born out of was, was, was our that internal product for us with the outsourcing company. Okay.
0: Last little jump, this messaging real estate corp.
1: Well, so how one step before that. So Mike had been living in Manila, building up the back office for the outsourcing company. This payroll hero thing kind of happens. I've been living in Vancouver because we started selling payroll hero into the Philippine market. The way Mike and I kind of split our business, I'm more front of the office. He's more back of the office. If you, if you, could, sure, could yeah. clean divide in. And so um, it was difficult for me to be selling the payroll software from here to businesses there. And that, that's when I decided like the, the right thing or the, the, the opportunity is there and this payroll thing was growing. Um, I should move to the, obviously I should just move to the Philippines.
0: <laughs> and so in, you, have a fa- you have a family at this point.
1: Yeah. Wife and two kids. My son would have been two. My daughter would have been like five months or something. And, um, I explained this similar story to my wife saying, here's what I think needs to be done. (laughs)
0: Look, (laughs) here's the situation. Yeah. Here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know how you always wanted to take a vacation to the Philippines? I have an idea. Let's take an extended vacation to the Philippines. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I got a big truck here. No, yeah, yeah, um, you're good. You're good. I see the truck though. I see
1: the truck. Yeah. They're ripping down a house down the street. The, um, Yeah. So, so I tell my wife, I said, look, I think, I think I should, uh, we, we should move to Manila. And she's like, what? Like what? Um, so she does, you know, she starts Googling, like living in the Philippines, moving to the Philippines, life in the Philippines and the Philippine marketing department, I guess at that time, wasn't doing a very good job because the, it's not the most positive, um, I don't know the
0: representation of yeah, the country it didn't,
1: it didn't come across very well there's like tourists down in the south that had been kidnapped and there was this problem here and this thing with the government and you're like and so she's googling all these things about just like Philippines and yeah it just it wasn't coming out well um and it made her very concerned <laughs> and so we, we we obviously moved ended up moving she sort of bit the bullet and said like, yeah, okay, let's, let's do this. And so we rented out our house and we packed up the kids and we, we moved to Manila with an unknown timeline for you know, an unknown destination, um, like where we actually would live. And we, at that time she was on mat leave. And so we, yeah, we moved over there. Um, and that, we ended up staying in Manila from 2012, we were there about two and a half years before we moved over to Singapore. And we were in Singapore for a year and a half. And we did all of that with the, with the plan, the goal of um, pushing Payroll Hero into the Philippine market. And then eventually we, we customized the product to work in Singapore and we pushed it into the Singapore market.
0: Cool. How was Singapore?
1: Singapore is awesome. Philippines yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, like when we, my wife wasn't super excited to go to the Philippines. When we ended up leaving the Philippines, she didn't want to leave. It was, it was a great, the Philippines is amazing.
0: Sunshine right. will do sunshine will do that to people seeing the well, sun yeah,
1: but right. living in Makati in Manila is um, is very different than the philippines right it 's like there's seven thousand one hundred and seven islands in the Philippines. Um, manila is a very, very dense city and it 's not even people say they live in manila it 's like people saying they live in Toronto, but they don 't actually live in Toronto. they live in whatever mississauga or sure, yeah, same with Vancouver, but most people don 't actually live in Manila Manila is a Part of a, a very big, big, big um, conglomerate of cities, um, in the same way that LA is, Mexico City, a bunch of big cities like that. Um, so yeah, living in Manila is like you're you're in a you're in a you know a, like a dense um, emerging market city. But the, the the islands are unbelievable. Everybody should go and visit the Philippines. The islands are amazing. Most people in North America when they talk about Asia, they think about or at least they talk about Thailand and Bali. And I would bet the Philippines is better than both. Um, it just, people need to give it a, give it a shot. and give Can it a you shot. get a direct,
0: so you get what well, you, you land in Manila and then take a little, uh, yep. like, is, are we talking a boat or a plane over to some of the islands?
1: Plane, yeah. So okay. you, land, you can go Vancouver, Manila, you can go Toronto, Manila. Okay. And then you, uh, yeah, you connect onto another plane and you bounce into whatever island you want to go to. Some of the bigger islands can take a jet. Some of the smaller islands you would be on a, on a, a much smaller plane or a float plane even. Um, And then sometimes depending on what your final destination is, then sometimes you're on a, on a boat as well.
0: I'm always impressed just when I meet any Philippines here in the Toronto area, they're always just like the most family oriented, positive, happy people. Like I have started just approaching them saying, listen, how are you guys raised? Tell me (laughs) because you're just always so happy and supportive of each other. And and the world's good and positive. Like I just love their mental state. Totally. Totally. uh, Very,
1: very happy, very family forward. Um, Yeah. Always smiling like just, Yeah. Lovely people.
0: Okay. And then uh, now I want to talk to you about how do you invest, but why back to Canada? (laughs) You liked Singapore.
1: So yeah, we did Singapore for a year and a half. um, I'm a Canada
0: Canada fan. So I'm expecting to hear some good things about Canada here.
1: Oh, well, yeah. So we
0: fishing, I'm fishing for some positive (laughs) on Canada.
1: We wanted to, my son was getting about to enter grade one. Yeah, he was about to enter grade one. And so we were prior to that moment, we'd been making decisions based on like 30 day timelines. It didn't matter, right? We could put we, we had them in, in, in kindergarten and preschool and stuff. But like if we ripped them out for a month and, and like hung out in Thailand for 30 days, it didn't, it didn't really matter at that point in their in their schooling. Um, but when, when my son was going to go to grade one in Singapore, you're, everybody's in a, in a, basically an ex, expat school. You could go to a local school, but they're difficult to get into. Um, and so your cheapest school in Singapore is, I don't know, $25,000 a year. And, um, and you're not going to do that and pay that kind of money. And then like your, your flexibility sort of adjusts. And so we started looking at it as like, all right, are we committed to Singapore for another 12 months if we're putting them into grade one here? Um, and that conversation is what got us like, no, I think we can, we're, we're kind of ready. We could, we could move back, keep growing the business now digitally. We've got the footprint up um, and put Stu back into school or into school in grade one back in Canada and Vancouver.
0: Yeah, awesome, okay, wow. Okay, now take me to Addy Invest. How does, how does this start? So, because I, I'm assuming you were somehow your first customer here. Before you tell me the end of this story, somebody, (laughs) you wanted to buy a property for like a dollar and you couldn't buy the property for a dollar and you said people should be able to buy a property for a dollar and then you started Addy Invest. Uh, It's close. Am I close? close? (laughs) It's
1: close, yeah. So um, Mike and I, over the years, since we started working together in 2000, over the years, personally, we've bought property. Right, uh, especially and we're doing it in Vancouver, which has been over the last twenty years been quite helpful. Um, but we've been buying property personally, um, buying our you know our own condos, or our own houses, or a rental thing, or whatever, and just we've we've experienced the um, benefit of investing in real estate in a, in a city during a
0: time. I totally thought you were going to say the pain. We've experienced the pain, no. of in the benefit. No, you're right. Of course there's a benefit. Yeah. And I so. Day and I know how much pain there is also involved to get that benefit. That's why I thought you were going to say that. But yeah, the benefit has been huge. No, the benefit's been amazing
1: yeah. in, in, a, in a city like even Toronto, Vancouver, Toronto, like many cities over the last 20 years has been like amazing. You couldn't have screwed it up, right? You could have bought almost anything. And if you held it long enough and in like, Oh no, no, uh, no renters here or there, whatever your issues are. If you could push through and hold for the, from 2000 to 2020, you
0: made money. It, it's, it's so f- interesting you're saying that because uh, this is something I mentioned to Jeff Booth who, who introduced us is that uh, I said, I used to think we were kind of, I didn't think maybe we we're smart, but I'm like, okay, we're do, we're making some good choices here. We got into tech at the right time. We got into real estate, but then looking back, all we did was just gone and get into a trend that carried us forward. Like you're saying, like we didn't agree, really have to be that smart. We just bought at this trend, and uh, it carried us. I, I I don't disagree, but I the caveat I would say is it, it
1: was high risk. Buying in Vancouver at the time, 20 years ago, you know, no, the pricing was much more in line and and more attainable. But I definitely bought some stuff that I'd be like. Oh my God! Like this, I don't. I think like this could be the height of the market. And I could be <laughs> totally every a terrible, property we purchase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So-
0: I told one sales guy. I told one sales guy signing the papers. I'm like, someone in Toronto has to be buying at the top of the market. It might as well be me. I, I as like literally as I'm signing the paperwork to purchase. I'm saying this <laughs> to the guy.
1: Yeah, it, and like, and so I think getting over that uh, fear and just, you know, taking the bet, um, and, and pushing, pushing if you if that's what you're interested in doing, investing in real estate or whatever. And there's a lot of people that just don't can't, can't get over that hurdle of in their minds of like, I don't understand, like it, it seems too expensive or I don't want to lose money or I don't want the market to slip tomorrow. Um, and so there's lots and lots of people that just can't, can't make that. So yes, I've benefited from 20 years of, of Vancouver growing, but I think, also, you know, we did we did take the risk. We 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 did we did sort of take the bet and 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 put the put the risk on ourselves of like we we think we can make this work. But um, so long story short, Addy, Mike, and I have been doing our own stuff. When we we sold Ubitor in twenty thirteen, we sold that company. Um, we invested in a little bit of real estate personally, and then um, a couple like kind of GPLP deals showed up for um, us to invest behind real estate developers. And a deal came to Mike for a real estate developer in Vancouver that was gonna buy three houses, already owned these three houses on um, Oak Street, was gonna rip them down and build, I don't, I don't remember, 20 townhouses or something. And um, he was raising, the developer was raising money to make this all happen. And so the developer said, I think this, he said the minimum check size is 750 grand. And so Mike said, I like it. You like the deal. The math makes sense. I like it, but 750 is quite a, I think it was 750, but either way it was, he's like, it's, it's 750 is a big check. Can I, can I just set up a corporation and put a few friends together uh, to make the 750? You'll have one investor, but there's, I'll put, you know, handful of people to make this thing work. And so the developer said, that's fine. I don't care. I just want, I want one investor. That's why, you know, minimum check size. And so Mike texted me and a couple other people and said, hey, here's this deal. Here's the information. Are you interested in doing this? I said yes. A couple other guys said yes. We put money in that corporation, the corporation that invests behind the developer. And so the developer said minimum check size was, I think, $750. But Mike had also um, said minimum check size for people that wanted to get into the syndicate was 50 dollars And um, one of our employees at Payroll Hero wanted to invest. He had $10,000 and he wanted to invest. And the answer was no. Um, and that conversation, because he, he got all mad, and he's like, "Why like I, if i can 't invest in real estate, how can I invest in real estate and he we, they tried to explain like look there 's costs right you ten thousand dollars or one hundred thousand dollars the the notary fee or the legal fee or whatever is the same it just it chops away six seven eight hundred bucks of your ten thousand is a lot of your hundred thousand it's dealable or fifty thousand it 's dealable and so But it was that conversation of him getting mad and explaining why there's minimums and wh- why and it was getting into that conversation of like well maybe there doesn't like why are these why are these things here what are how can we um get around or, or adjust so that these costs aren't there Or can is there a way for us to use technology to drive some of these costs down and that conversation was the kind of the genesis of what became Addy um and so we we thought let's. There's got to be more people like this. This employee, uh, you know, of ours, this teammate, who wanted to invest. We thought there's got to be more people like this. So we asked around. We, you know, did some sort of early customer discovery to figure out, like, are there? Do do other people want to put micro investments into real estate? Is that a thing? If someone's got a thousand bucks or five thousand bucks or whatever, and the the response was yes, and so we decided to set up a proof of concept. So we set up the business, and we. Um, we put it out on the, we, we figured out the, we did a lot. There's a lot of work on the legal side and dealing with the security commissions. Um, and we built a bunch of technology to, to enable this. But we, long story short, we, 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 we purchased a house on the East side of Vancouver. And we, as a proof of concept to see, like, do people want to invest in a, in a property in Vancouver and own a slice of it? And the overwhelming response was, yes, we have 305 investors in that property. The smallest is a dollar. The largest was $95,000, but the average was 4,500 bucks. Like $4,551 or something was the average. Um, and we, the property sold out and there's a renter in it, the renter pays the rent, it's great. And these, these, but these 305 investors all own their, their corresponding slice of that single family property and for us, the the result was good. It was like great. There are people out there that do want to do this. They're not all related to us. Like it's there are random people that we don't know that found us on the internet, looked at the website, looked at the property, saw the due diligence, and then made an investment decision of like I like this, and they put money through the website, um, which is obviously the biggest you know, tell of like, is this potential? Is there a potential business here? Like my mom and my brothers are like, all those people do it. Like that's not helpful because it's helpful, but it doesn't validate a market. They're just being potentially supportive of my idea or my business or whatever, you know, whatever we're trying to do, you get validation is coming from total strangers that don't know you have no personal connection that make the leap to follow the process through. Um, And that's, that's basically how we got into what we're into now. Um, was that initial proof of concept?
0: So what are you, I have, I have some questions for you, but what, so what are you into now?
1: So same thing, but once we did that property, we wanted to, um, kind of dig into what did we learn? What went well? What didn't go well? How can we, how can we make this a scalable model? How can we drive costs down further? And, um, we, we built a ton of, we built a ton of technology for starters, we built the whole platform of what Addy is, um, you know, enables people to <clears throat> create an account on the system, put in their, their profile details, connect their bank account to it, move money into their, we've got an Addy wallet, they can move money into their wallets so that they can um, be ready to invest. A property will come on the platform and they can review due diligence, legal framework, and then make a decision. Um, so we built all the technology to enable that to happen And then we also dug on the real estate side. We, we dug into figuring out like what, what kind of properties make sense? What is a scalable property? What is a safe property for the crowd to invest in? Um,
0: Yeah. And and what did you find?
1: Well, so we learned like real estate development is high risk, Um, high reward, but high risk, right? People, you know, people give developers a bad name, but they take, they take risks and they deserve the benefit they get. Sometimes developers get wiped out. Or dealing the with the, dealing
0: worry. with the economy, the city totally. regulations, totally. Uh, contractors. It's, it is a complete, it, is, it a big show. Big so big yeah, thing. when the, when the profits come out, they uh, many times it's all you the hear time. About the community,
1: like, oh, the developers, they make so much money. It's like, but they, you know,
0: they do like in 2008, a whole bunch of
1: them got wiped out in this, in coronavirus a whole bunch of them had massive problems because all of a sudden everything stopped and everybody's work from home and they're mid-project, mid-fundraising, digging a hole like mean, whatever it is that they're doing.
0: Disaster. Very, yeah. very high risk. Yeah. Um,
1: and so we, we thought that that's not the best, at this moment, maybe the best mo- uh, thing for us to do with the crowd. Um, we thought about a lot about uh, you know, what types of property, industrial, commercial, multifamily, residential, single family. And so we made some decisions on that. We've adjusted those decisions based on coronavirus. Um,
0: How did you adjust the, the decisions based on coronavirus?
1: So before we weren't to, like we, we almost purchased a property on the island here, Vancouver Island. We were uh, like, we'd done all the due diligence.
0: We, you were we, set on, com- let me guess, you were set on commercial.
1: It was a commercial property, yeah. two units, a liquor store and a pub. And um, when the pandemic happened and they, and they shut down all the, all the restaurants... Um, the pub was closed and that's 60% of the revenue. Uh, the liquor store obviously did very well. Through the whole oh, thing. sure. It, the liquor, liquor store is doubling. Went, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But the pub was 60% of the rent coming in. And the pub also, even if when it was a length back open now, but we just didn't, at that time, we didn't know it was closed. Then we're like, oh my God, 60% of the rent just gone. And we, if we, like, we were like a week away from of closing the deal. And we decided when the pandemic happened and everything closed, we said this, we can't, we're gonna hold, or we're, gonna, we're not gonna hold, we're gonna, we're gonna let it go. And so we let that property go after spending, yeah, twenty five thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in due diligence. Um, so, but I think, you know, right decision for us, cause it's not maybe too high risk for the crowd. We, we want, we want less, less risk. And you know, there's a lot that went into it. The pub had a lot of live music aspect of its business. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, they made a lot of their money because they bring in small bands that would come from the mainland or the Island or whatever and play. And um, I don't know when when that kind of stuff comes back. Right. And so, and with 50% uh, allowed back in the restaurant and pushing for outside spots, I don't know
0: when it's going to be shut down again. Yeah. And the town that we were
1: buying it in was there's no Uber eats there. So all the delivery services that we're accustomed to in bigger cities are not really set up there. Um, so what
0: did you, what did you decide? Yeah. So now what do you think is the right property for your platform?
1: So we like, we like certain types of commercial. We like multifamily. Um, there's lots of talk around industrial. Um, the next property we're bringing on the platform is a a commercial property here in, in Chilliwack, BC. It's a brand new building that was built for Starbucks that has a drive through and Starbucks is the tenant. It's been open through the pandemic. Um, so that property shows up on the platform, August 11th and people, people will be able to review the due diligence, review the legal framework and, um, make an investment decision and they can invest. We chatted
0: about this before, but just since you brought it up so that we're clear, some of your investments are available to everyone across Canada. Some are not, am I, am I right on that? Yeah. So
1: each, each province, there's different security commissions across the country and so each has its own rules and regulations. So this next property will be available for British Columbia residents only. Um, just-
0: But anyone going to Addy Invest will they see- can all,
1: Yeah, they can all create accounts and they should, if they want to create an account, you create an account, you can get all set up. The first property we did, that property in the east side of Vancouver, we enabled everybody from Canada with the exception of Saskatchewan and Quebec to be able to invest. Um, this next one will be BC only. Um, the one after that will probably be similar to the first one of, of uh, the, the whole country with the exception of Quebec and Saskatchewan, just because Quebec there's some French requirements that, that need to be done. And, um, and, uh, Saskatchewan has got some specific paperwork specific to Saskatchewan that needs to you be done. You can say it.
0: you're not a Habs fan. Listen, I'm not a Habs <laughs> fan either. So you cut out Quebec cause they're not anyone from Quebec listening to this. We love everyone in Quebec. <laughs> I'm joking no, I'm joking, but great. those that know me I've been tortured by Habs fans my whole life because I'm a Leafs fan so uh anyway anyway sorry um on the, on the on the property on the on the property stuff you mentioned multifamily I just want to bring something up re- really quick I can't I can't remember if I've told you this our family almost lost everything in 1990 in a real estate correction here in Toronto that was to this date the worst real estate correction Canada had ever seen. Our father was flipping properties. He was flipping this one. um, And uh, we almost lost our family home. It was, it was pretty devastating. It took us a long time to recover as a family from that. But from that, Nick and I realized, wow, starter homes, little residential starter homes always seem to have demand, you know, like the high end multi million dollar homes. If you go super, super high end, those people are never affected by economic changes. But you know, the, 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 the base luxury home, if there is a base luxury home, those can be greatly affected in economic. Economic downturn. Mm-hmm. But starter homes always seem to have demand. And even when we couldn't sell this big, you know, for us, it was big. It was 4,400 square feet, three-car garage. It was like this big house came down in value. But we had some friends that were flipping properties much smaller, and they were able to still, even in a deeper session, get some demand for them or get tenants for them to rent them out and produce income. So Nick and I have always focused on everything we do here at Rockstar in the starter home category. We don't play a lot in the multifamily space, but um, multifamily spaces, a kind of like a starter home category of real estate as well. And we always just like that category because there's always demand. I'm assuming that's why you have brought up multifamily as one of your choices. Um,
1: well, we look at it, having a single renter is, uh, a risk for the crowd. So we do everything for the crowd. What's the, what's the best way for us to protect the crowd's investment. Um, and so. Uh, buying a single family house with a with a single unit. There's no basement suite or anything like that. It's a single renter. If that renter doesn't pay rent, 100% of your income stops. And that's a bit of a risk. We are doing that in this case, obviously, with the Starbucks as a single tenanted building, but it counters with it's Starbucks Canada that's the tenant. And we're comfortable with that um, that tenant. The... Yeah. So that that's kind of how we, we got it. We You're mitigating her.
0: see, we oh, yeah. always look at it cause the single family, we can make a much better return overall than the multi, but you have to be able to accept the risk of the vacancy to your point. Yes. And on your platform, it's probably not going to make sense. You want the consistency of a stream of income in there. We want yeah, to do things that it. are safe. Yeah. Safe for yeah, 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 the yeah.
1: crowd, um, to be able to, like our goal is to enable people to get into real estate and invest in real estate and, one of the things we did while we were building the platform and the legal framework was we built out a team that would be able to help us make these decisions on real estate. It's obviously a big portion of our businesses making a real estate decisions. And so it's not Mike and I that make these decisions. Um, we've set up a, a real estate committee. We've got a global investment committee and a regional investment committee. And then we've, we put together a board um, and th- those, th- those committees and the board help us make decisions on the real estate. So it's not, it's not me saying this Starbucks is great because of X, Y, and Z. It's our real estate committee that have said, this is why, and then, you know, why they like it and and what they think about the property. And so people can vet the property and also hear the opinion of these um, smart real estate people.
0: Got it. And so is the, is the goal then, are you guys always going to be selecting the property at some point? And I can't remember, maybe you told me this or I saw it on your website. Can I present a property to you? People can present properties to us that we would potentially purchase.
1: Yes. Okay. And then we would put them onto the platform at this time. um, That's, that's how it would work. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. They would, you know, the people submit properties to us all the time based on our requirements.
0: Makes sense for sure. You know, um, and then right now the properties that you are opening up, they're mostly or all in British Columbia.
1: For now they will be. Okay. But eventually we will, well,
0: knowing you, yeah, Literally. there's going to be properties in Singapore and Philippines and you're going to have properties opened up all over the
1: place. Yeah. Well, that, that, that house we did on the East side of Vancouver with 305 investors in it, a good chunk of them are from British Columbia, like the Island and the lower mainland. There's a bunch of them from Calgary. There's a bunch from Ottawa, Toronto that have invested in this, um, in this property.
0: Okay. And then to use your example as just a dollar, cause I just like that. That's a, that's a kind of a nice real sales pitch that you can invest for a dollar. So then what any expenses just come off? I know this is going to be all articulated in your documentation really well, but at a high level, all expenses just come off the top and then it's chopped up based on your percentage ownership in that property.
1: Yes. Yeah. And there's a couple key points on that is one, we don't charge any fees and we don't take a lift on the property. So we make money by investing in the property as well. So we're shoulder to shoulder with the investor, but we're, there's no benefit to us. If you put a dollar in and we put $50,000 in, we are the same. Um, we, just, we just put in a little bit more money than you. And um, yes, to, to answer the, sort of the main question is yes. If you, if you own your slice of whatever percent of the property, um, depend, each property will have a different thesis. Some will have a distribution aspect to it. Some might be a buy and hold. You'll know that up front. You like that idea. If you don't like the idea, you don't invest. If you like the idea and the thesis of the property and the due diligence, you'll make your investment and you'll get your percentage, <clears throat> excuse me, your percentage of the distributions.
0: Got it. Okay. And then for all of us here in Ontario, if we invest, I guess we're governed because we're Ontario by the security commission Ontario, here. So you, yes. We, is that, that how it works even though we're investing over there? Yeah, okay. It, it's, and,
1: based, it's based on where the
0: investor lives, which security commission we're going to have to deal with. Okay. And then do you have to be an accredited investor in Ontario to invest? Okay. So, so basically that opens it up pretty much. Anyone can invest with you guys.
1: That's our goal. Yeah. That the goal is to, to, to to enable non-accredited investors to invest in real estate for as little as a dollar. That's the the main sort of underlying aspect of the business. Like obviously the dollar thing is, um, you know, if you put a dollar in, you're going to sure you can do that and you'll make your slice. But our, our, our purpose is we're, we're trying to eliminate barriers to entry. Just like the developer told Mike and I, seven hundred fifty grand was the minimum, and then Mike said fifty grand is the minimum for this syndicate. We didn't want to say it's minimum five hundred bucks or minimum thousand dollars, because then we are putting a barrier entry. If someone's got four hundred, and we said the minimum is five hundred. Now we're the blocker to enabling them to invest, and so that's why the dollar is a dollar. It's a kind of a like it's a silly thing, but we just the goal is to eliminate the barrier. So if you've got if you're comfortable trying twenty five dollars or fifty dollar, whatever your thing is. That's, that's great. We want to enable you to be able to participate in the asset class.
0: Um... Because right now the, the, the a real limiting factor has been qualifying via financing to get properties, either the down payment itself or the income requirement and debt ratios that you need here in Canada to qualify. Yeah, so you guys are basically, yeah, you, you guys are basically removing that layer of the situation and saying, listen, we're not charging anything extra here. We're investing with you and you get to invest in properties and you no longer have to go through that. I don't have sole ownership. So maybe... Like with anything, maybe you're going to, you, you, maybe you won't get pure maximum returns on it. I'm, I'm just trying to kind of play both sides of this, but no, you guys have a team, you're managing it. Yeah. You're getting your, yeah, you get to,
1: you, you're the landlord without doing the landlording. We landlord it for you.
0: Yeah. Um, so but we, you get
1: the benefits of being a, basically a partner slash whatever, you know, investor, unit holder, whatever you want to call it in the property, except you don't have to do any of the, the, the work to, to manage the property.
0: Uh, when did you guys start Addy Invest?
1: Uh, two, a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then, how are you seeing the interest evolve? Because, like, I'm sure you guys have looked into the future and you can see this evolve. H- how are you seeing interest right now?
1: Uh, people are very interested in what we're doing. The, the 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 crowd is 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 very much into the idea and the concept of of being able to invest. Right. The the people were trying to get. Um, attracted to the idea are the ones that are, that are locked out of the market that can't get through the stress tests for starters. Or, you know, there's many places like Vancouver and Toronto that the pricing is just so out of whack, right? You have know, a starter condo, downtown Vancouver is 500 grand. Like that's just, you know, that's a big, it's a big number. Um, and then you add the stress test on it, the size of the mortgage and all these things for some young person trying to get into real estate. It's a, it's a big, it's a big number to, to try and achieve. And I think that there's, there's a better way. And that's what we're trying to do is, is enable people to get into the asset class, diversify into a bunch of different uh, properties so they're in the market and, and, and able to participate
0: um, while and how would you happily differentiate... living wherever they live. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I can see it. Like you'll buy a little bit of, you could buy your stocks, you could buy some of your Bitcoin and you could buy some of your real estate, right? right. Like all with some quick transactions. How do you differentiate yourself from a REIT?
1: Oh, well, the biggest difference between us and a REIT is you're picking a specific property. Like you either like the Starbucks building in Chilliwack or you don't. Like that's... Okay, in a so REIT, or, or- in you're in like investing in like shopping malls across Canada or industrial properties across the country or hotels in America. Like what, you know, there's, you're getting a basket of properties. In our world, you're, you're, it's like baseball cards. You either like that property and you're willing and interested in investing or you don't.
0: And that's so it. there's still some real good upside, because if I know the potential of a development projects that you might bring to the table, I could be going guns a blazing into it with you, because I just know the area, I've done my own due diligence, and I can bring some strategic intelligence to the decision still, even though I'm investing on your platform, because of my own research in the area or whatever is going on as opposed to a REIT, like you're saying, it's so kind of homogenized, it's so level right across the board that you really can't get a competitive advantage. So I could actually yeah. use your platform because if I don't, let's say there's a big project and I, and I only have, I'm going to, you know, $100 to invest, but I just know in my heart what you're doing is going to be profitable. I can then use your platform to get in on that project. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah. really kind and of
1: that cool. And $100 could be, you could choose to do $100 a month and over a 12 month period, maybe you got a slice of 12 properties.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really cool. I can't wait to see how this grows and evolves. And, uh, you know, Steve, I know you have your own call coming up here, so I'm going to let you kind of get on, but I really appreciate you sharing anything else about Addy invest that we should know since we're talking about it now. I think if
1: anybody's interested in what we're, what we're up to, they can go to the website, go to Addy invest. It's a D D Y Um, and you can check out who we are, what, the, what's on, you know, who's on the team you know, this, we do lots of educational stuff on the blog and with podcasts and videos and stuff. So people are interested in real estate investing. I think there's lots of great information there. And if they want to participate, they can create an account. You can create an account on our system for free. There's no cost. There's no fees. You can create an account and then our system will notify you when, and property, when properties come up. And so if you're in Ontario and the property the Chilliwack property comes up and you're not available, uh, able to invest, you can still see it and see the details and see the due diligence. You just, you know, you're not going to be able to learn to to that one. Yeah, to learn and see how does it all work and what's the cap rate on the property and what's the whatever. Um, but if you have an account, then you'll be notified um, of, of each property that we bring onto the platform. We've also built a tool in there that lets them, our Addy members, see the properties that we are interested in. So people can kind of give a thumbs up, thumbs down, opinion of of these properties that we're that we're digging into. And so I think it's a neat way for the crowd to be able to get involved, understand real estate, learn a little bit more about it, see the properties that we're, we're looking at, as well as potentially participate in an investment decision
0: steve um thank you for this we want to be supporters of you i love it when people like yourself um especially like someone in canada doing cool innovative stuff so keep us please aware i'll be tracking you as well but we want to kind of share your message so i mean thank you for i didn't i don't know how comfortably comfortable you were sharing your whole history here <laughs> i didn't prep you for that it's all good so thank you for walking us through that because to me that's super interesting to understand how you got to this place so it's Addyinvest.com. you can set up an account you can get, get your wallet set up and then you can start seeing some properties and that kind of stuff um steve i think that's it really really appreciate this man thank you no problem thank you thanks for having me hey everyone it's tom crads again so hopefully you enjoyed that uh edition of the your life your term show um if you are listening to this and you want to become a Rockstar Inner Circle member and work with us here, you can. You can check out all the benefits of becoming a Rockstar Inner Circle member at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. You can check out all the things that you get as a Rockstar Inner Circle member there. You can sign up and we can be working together to help you on your real estate journey. That's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.